Welcome to the first episode of Arbitration Insider, the arbitration podcast series of the New York International Arbitration Center and Freshfields. My name is Reiko Rangachari, and I'm the executive director of NIAC. Welcome. And I am Olivier André, Client Relationship Advisor with Freshfields in the International Arbitration Group in New York. Welcome everyone. Rika, it's a real pleasure to moderate this podcast with you. In our first episode, we will focus on climate change and arbitration, a topic that has become a hot issue over the past few months as the public and private sectors are faced with increased pressure to engage more actively in combating climate change and to reach the targets set by the 2015 Paris Agreement. In that context, arbitration is increasingly used to resolve climate change-related disputes. For this episode, Rika and I have the pleasure of welcoming Lira Vinescu of Freshfields, Eric Franco of Engie, Lucy Greenwood of the Campaign for Greener Arbitrations, Christopher Coelho Edberg of the Arbitration Institute of the Stockholm Chamber of Commerce, and Kiran Sangera of the Hong Kong International Arbitration Center. We're sitting down today with Lee Rovinescu. He is a partner at Freshfields Bruckhouse Derringer, and we're going to talk a bit more on climate change, its relevance in international arbitration, and other hot topics. But first, let's welcome Lee. Lee, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So we're going to jump right in, right? Climate change, hot topic at the moment. Why is it such a hot topic, not only within the space of international arbitration, but particularly as we look at investor state disputes, treaty disputes, um, and the relevance of the climate change movement within that reality? Thanks. So I think climate change is obviously not just a hot topic in international arbitration, but a hot topic everywhere in the world. And so I can't think uh, of a single industry that's not confronting how what its environmental footprint is and how, um, and how to grapple with that and, and what changes to make as a result of that. And so when it comes to arbitration, we're really often, um, the things that are hot topics for us tend to be things that are hot topics for our clients. And so as many of our clients across the spectrum of industries face and grapple with environmental footprint, their own environmental footprint, their own ESG goals, meeting new regulatory requirements, changing state rules. As they deal with that, disputes arise, and that's why they some of those disputes end up in arbitration, and that's why it has ended up becoming a hot topic uh, in our field, in our community. I'd say the second reason it's a hot topic is um, as the community itself grapples with its own environmental footprint and uh, its own ways of working, um, there's been a lot of thought put to how we can improve that uh, as a community so that our environmental footprint is is less. On, on the first, on the issues that our clients face, and so therefore um, issues that sometimes end up in, in disputes and, and within that sometimes in arbitration. As you mentioned, there is a lot of movement in the investor, spa- investor state dispute space. Primarily, I would say what, what people are focusing on the most is disputes arising out of energy transition. And where that has seen the greatest application is states that are in the middle of that energy transition that have timelines that they're trying to meet uh, in order to affect the changes and might be changing the rules of the games that apply to investors uh, that uh, are not in the renewable space. 
with more traditional and conventional forms of energy. And so those changes, those regulatory changes, are bringing about disputes. Uh, and then what we're also seeing is even uh, with respect to renewables and renewable forms of energy, as states are now going through to their second generation of regulations on how they want their renewable energy programs to look like, that is also giving rise to disputes. So effectively, energy transition is really driving it. That's where we're seeing the most amount of disputes, but obviously it also has application outside of the energy space as, as every industry focuses on changes to, to, to give effect to their new ESG guidelines and policies that they're trying to fulfill. Okay, Lee, can you go a bit into detail here? Do trade and investment treaties play a role in sustainable development? Uh, I think I think the answer in short is is absolutely and and I mean maybe maybe two points of reflection on that. I mean in general, sustainable development requires economic development and the purpose of treaties, bilateral investment treaties, free trade agreements, multilateral investment treaties. Functionally, a, a major purpose is to encourage and facilitate international investment. And the fact that so many entities structure their investments to attract the protection of investment treaties uh, is a testament to their importance in facilitating and promoting international investment. And so also to a certain extent, depending on the nature of the investment, uh, sustainable development as well. And as states roll out incentives for foreign investment in particular sectors as part of energy transition, for instance, we're seeing uh, international investors and corporations that are investing in those spaces still making use of investment treaties. And so uh, clearly they think that that's important to have that protection in order to have a secure environment in which they can push out, innovate, and pursue new new technologies. Beyond that, second reflection I have is uh, in particular in the last 10 years or so, a little bit earlier, but we're seeing a lot in the last decade. Um, investment treaties now have uh, significant more reference, obviously, uh, uh, often in either the preamble and also in specific provisions that address sustainable development and that address things like environmental concerns and considerations. At the same time, we're seeing more and more state measures that are either genuinely um, directed to sustainable development goals like environmental protection or appear to be that way. And so what we'll see, I think, in the coming years is those new provisions that are in the treaties that are designed to be uh, protective of the environment and pursue sustainable development goals, what the effect of those provisions will have uh, from my experience uh, in cases and, and from what I've read in other cases as well, there is some divergence in what the meaning and the effect of some of those provisions are. Eric Franco, welcome. You are Disputes Global Expert at Engie and General Counsel at Engie in Peru. You are also an arbitrator, a lecturer, and a member of the ICC Task Force on Arbitration of Climate Change Related Disputes. Eric, can you tell us why the task force was created and a little bit about the work product that came out of it? Many thanks for the invitation, Olivier. The report was launched in November 2019 in the context of the Conference of the Parties. The ICC report is innovative because while the academic discussion and the coverage on the media is mainly dominated by disputes with public law issues, the report focuses on commercial disputes. It addresses arbitration and ADR tools available 
as well as on identifying key considerations to bear in mind and areas where capacity needs to be built and regulations implemented. Arbitration is a suitable tool because it provides a neutral forum for international disputes with an award that is enforceable internationally and with the option to select expert arbitrators. It is valuable that the ICC has devoted substantial efforts to research and think the role of arbitration and ADR in relation to the new edges that will be present in disputes where there is a climate change aspect. Many of the matters touched by the report are classic arbitration and ADR topics, but now seen in a new context and addressing new challenges. In this sense, the report perfectly frames the discussion and is a very valuable tool for everyone interested in the topic. Why is all of this important for the power industry? There is a need for a rapid and far-reaching transition regarding energy and other systems. Energy transition means the process of replacing the existing energy systems, such as power, generation, heating, and transportation for carbon neutral systems. This transition will imply divestments, investments, and several shifts in the way the economy and the society works. In this context, internal and external stakeholders are demanding projects and activities that contribute to environmentally and socially harmonious progress. While governments are setting greenhouse gas emission targets, corporations are also setting voluntary targets. Energy consumption will continue growing steadily what will require huge investments. It is estimated that in order to reach the Paris Agreement target, an annual average of investment of $3.2 trillion would be needed until 2040. In parallel to the trend towards decarbonization, energy efficiency technologies is key by itself to reducing greenhouse gas emissions, but would have happened anyway as part of the development of the industry. The trend towards energy efficiency is usually followed because it implies a return on investment, but decarbonization many times implies a loss of economic value. Many assets will become stranded, meaning they will have to be retired before the end of their useful life in order to meet reduction targets, causing a fall in value and leading to losses of both capital and income for owners, as well as an increase a market and trade risk for lenders and investors. The estimated losses are large, from $1 trillion to $4 trillion when considering the energy sector alone, or up to $20 trillion when looking at the economy more broadly. Considering all these, I propose classifying commercial climate change-related disputes in four groups by identifying the, their subject matters. First, those related to investments required to make the world more sustainable. Second, those related to adaptation and mitigation measures. Third, those related to new voluntary and social responsibility standards applicable to funders, investors, insurance companies, and credit rating agency. And fourth, those arising due to changes in circumstances. Focusing on the subject matter helps understand the type of disputes and anticipate better how the, uh, to address these areas of risk. All these types of disputes are likely to increase. It would be difficult to say which type will arise more frequently, as this will largely depend on where activity develops. For example, if there is more change in law, change in circumstances, or huge investments 
and divestments. In any case, it is likely that all these areas will surge. Eric, in, in your view, is there anything that was not covered by the report that you think the dispute resolution community should be thinking about? As I mentioned, the ICC report focuses on commercial disputes. Thus, there are several types of disputes that are not covered, such as those related to constitutional law, human rights, administrative law, permitting and planning. In addition, Uh, to discussing arbitration and ADR tools that can be used when dealing with uh, the dispute, I also consider that the wider discussion should uh, contemplate good practice and techniques to avoid and handle disputes before they escalate to a dispute board, expert, mediator, arbitrator, or court. We're sitting down today with Lucy Greenwood. She is principal at Greenwood Arbitration, where she serves as independent arbitrator specializing in commercial and investment disputes. She is also the founder of the Green Pledge and Campaign for Greener Arbitrations. Lucy, so the big question, why now? Well, Rekha, when I think about why now, part of me looks at the reaction we have had in the last 18 months, uh, really since I, I began the campaign for greener arbitrations. I look at that reaction and part of me thinks, why not 10 years ago? Why now? The answer to why now is because we are in a climate emergency and we all have to act and we have to act now to reduce our carbon footprint. I wish we ha I had spearheaded this campaign 10 years ago. The fact is I didn't. So we need to we need to do more to achieve greater levels of change in the arbitration community. And that's what the campaign is really focusing on. We are focusing on actions, not words. So the campaign for greener arbitration alongside the green protocols launched on Earth Day of this year under the global banner for Earth Day, hashtag one small change. This is after a period of public consultation to refine the protocols. But tell us for our audience, what do the protocols do? What do they identify? Essentially what they are, what they were conceived to be is a how-to guide for people who may not have really understood uh, the impact of their actions on the environment. So they really are pretty detailed and we, we emphasize that you can pick and choose parts of the protocols that you want to implement in your arbitrations. Uh, you don't have to adopt them en masse, uh, but they are deliberately detailed because that was the feedback we were getting. People wanted to be effectively better informed about the choices they could make in terms of making these, what are, some are small changes, some are frankly big changes, but all are changes that need to be made. And they need to be made by every participant in the arbitration process. So it's not just arbitrators. The original Green Pledge, as you know, was conceived really as a promised as an arbitrator that I would try and arbitrate in an environmentally friendly way. So it's not just arbitrators we're targeting here. We're looking to law firms to change their behaviors. We're looking to arbitration conference providers. We're looking to hearing venues. We're looking to the underlying clients, the corporates. We're looking to every single person who is involved in an arbitration. We're asking them to question what they do and to make a change in that behavior. So the next burning question from why now to what's next? Well, we have lots of plans ahead. One of my um, 
favorite projects next is going to be what I what I've called my notion of green swaps to try and help people visualize what making a change to their practice can do in terms of impact on the environment. So it, it, they're rather like I conceive of them rather like diet swaps. So don't eat a hamburger that's so many calories. Eat a wrap that's you've saved that number of calories. And what I I hope we will manage to do is to have these visualizations of don't print 200 hard copy bundles, but have an electronic bundle and annotate it uh, on, your, on your laptop. And therefore, you've saved X tons of carbon. And also, we want to make sure that we help people to visualize what a ton of carbon looks like, because we're finding very much people don't. And there's no reason why they should know, but they don't necessarily know what that looks like and the impact that can ultimately have on um, global warming. Well, there you have it. Hashtag the green option or hashtag the green swap. Lucy, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Looking forward to the rollout of those trainings. Um, so we help concretize and socialize these protocols. Um, but thank you again. And we'll talk soon. Thank you, Rekha. It's been a pleasure. We have seen with diversity, particularly gender equality, that the international arbitration community can be a factor of change when it comes to ESG issues. That change is in large part driven by arbitral institutions. Institutions have started to sign the Green Pledge and to take measures towards greener arbitrations. Today, we have the pleasure of hosting one of the institutions at the forefront of the Greener Arbitration Initiative. I have here with me Christopher Coelho-Edberg, Christopher, you are legal counsel at the SCC in Stockholm. And my first question to you is, the SCC has signed the Green Pledge. Can you tell us why? Yes, so I think that our why at the SCC in this regard partly comes back to, to our core mission, which is really to facilitate trade and business by providing a neutral venue for commercial dispute resolution. And in order to do this, we need to keep up with change to meet the developing needs of, of the users of our services, which is the business community, of course. And uh, looking at our users, they work in industries where climate change action is taken and oftentimes required. So we need to adapt as well. But also looking past our core mission, this particular change being climate change is also kind of special since it's something that everyone, be it industries or individuals, are responsible for adapting to in order to contribute to the many solutions required to deal with, uh, with climate change. Christopher, I've heard about a very unique policy that the SCC has implemented to, and which basically allows arbitrators to offset carbon emissions of arbitrations. Can you tell us more about this? Yes, of course. So this policy, basically, it allows arbitrators to be reimbursed for the cost of carbon offsetting for travel. Uh, and this reimbursement is just, uh, that, that is then taken from the advance on costs already paid by the parties. So looking at this particular mechanism, I think that this is just one of the ways that arbitral uh, institutions kind of contribute to the fight against climate change. And, and usually the costs of offsetting um, in this way is usually not that high. But, but having this procedure in place, I think it really sends an, an important signal to the arbitration community and, and incentivize arbitrators to pass on the costs of carbon offsetting. 
And, and in general, I think that this is really one of the biggest things that arbitral institutions can do, uh, that is act for, for, or actually act as a driver for change by raising awareness and highlighting the topic of climate change. And I think that this is just one of those very small efforts that if, if done on a large scale can accumulate and, and contribute to reducing the carbon footprint of the arbitration community. I'm sure Lucy Greenwood, Greenwood will be very happy uh, with this statement. Um, is there anything else that the SCC has been doing or is planning to do to make arbitrations greener? Yes, I think one clear example of how we worked in this direction is that we launched the, the SOC platform in 2019. And this is an uh, electronic case management platform where almost all case correspondence to and from the SOC in our cases are handled. And uh, actually, we, we did work digitally before the launch of the platform, but the platform really enabled our users as well to handle the case in an efficient and safe uh, electronic procedure. Uh, another thing that I would like to mention is that the SEC is now very happy to be part of a Europe subcommittee for greener arbitrations, which is tasked with looking at how the green pledged and the green protocols can be promoted regionally and internationally. And uh, actually, our work in the subcommittee is just starting out, but we do foresee that we will be able to contribute by promoting the Green Protocols and the Green Pledge uh, by working together with other representatives to uh, really raise awareness of, of climate change in arbitration. Very interesting. Thank you very much, Christopher, speaking on behalf of the Arbitration Institute of the Stockholm Chamber of Commerce. Thank you very much. We're sitting down with Kiran Sengera, Special Counsel at the Hong Kong International Arbitration Center, or HKIAC. It is a delight that she's joining us. Kiran, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Rekha. It's a pleasure to be invited and to, to be sharing with you um, on this podcast. Well, we're going to jump right in here. So as we talk about climate change and the way in which the international community springs to action with the Green Campaign, the Green Pledge, and the Green Protocols, please tell our listeners, why did HKIAC sign the Green Pledge? Short answer, uh, why not? I think the pledge or any commitment to reduce the environmental impact of our community um, is timely and possibly overdue. So at the Secretariat and the HKIC governing body level, there was a desire um, to put HKIC, HKIC's name behind this cause and really just show our support for what is uh, an incredibly meaningful project. Um, I think there were a couple of areas that really stood out to us that we've seen from the vantage point of an arbitral institution. And I would say um, the first is bundles, bundles and bundles that were going completely untouched. So seeing the volume of paper exhibits, plastic binders delivered to all participants, including us, that were simply not opened even once um, and how these are dealt with after hearings and after cases conclude is, is alarming. They're no longer used and probably are not being recycled in an environmentally friendly way. So it's impossible not to see how wasteful that kind of behavior is. And the second area, uh, plastic and single use items, particularly when it came to events uh, and in another area. So when we first started Hong Kong Arbitration Week 10 years ago, paper programs, printed PowerPoint slides, promotional one-pagers, cutlery that's 
that's used once and stays with us for thousands of years. And, and this behavior was not acceptable. So I think uh, we have made changes, but it's really important um, that we continue to, to make change. And as you well know, Rekha, the role of an institution, we have quite a special vantage point. The volume of cases that we manage and also in particular the, the number of events that we organize, I think we really have an important role to play. No, spot on, you know, as a central point for all stakeholders, it's all stakeholders, all of the items they bring with them. <laughs> so, you know, for our listeners as well, um, to talk about how HKIAC is implementing, which you've, you've referenced in your earlier answer, but taking it deeper for us, how are you concretizing the steps? How can we all adopt more sustainable behaviors as we come into an institution, whether it's for a conference um, or a hearing and other sort of hot topics that are percolating at HKIAC around not only climate change, but the green campaign? Yeah, excellent question. And probably um, a very uh, important one because I think we're moving from having dialogue about uh, the impact to actually what we can practically do. Um, and as Lucy often says, it's about making those uh, practical changes. So I guess for an institution like HKC, there are three areas, uh, case management, business development or events, and our internal operations. So in terms of case management, uh, and you will find much of this in the green protocol for arbitral institutions, but a few examples of what we've been doing, um, some of which may sound rather simple, but um, actually do make a big difference. But in the institutional rules expressly allowing for electronic communications and filings, um, including offering an online repository for storage and filing of documents. Again, encouraging through institutional rules and practices, tribunals to consider using technology for the effective conduct of arbitrations and not limiting hearings to in-person hearings only. Um, actively inviting counsel, tribunals, um, to only use electronic means to effectively eliminate paper, including the case file um, that's sent to the tribunal, offering comprehensive virtual hearing services, and actually importantly, taking the time to make sure those using the services are comfortable with them, so hopefully they'll use them again. And having tribunal secretaries who are aware of how technology can be used to support tribunals that might be less comfortable with tech. Um, a couple of examples there on case management. And business development, I, uh, really that's about um, our events and our um, business development work in terms of eliminating any um, paper documents for our events, no more paper programs, all online management uh, in terms of signing up and registering and paying for events and no plastic single-use items when it comes to conference events, food and beverage, gimmicks, anywhere where we can eliminate those items that often, frankly, just get left on the seat uh, after an in-person conference. And then internally, um, probably most recently for us, uh, we appointed a green ambassador. So that's a, an internal appointment uh, and a person who's responsible really for engagement on this topic within HKIC and for implementing those small practical day-to-day -day, um, habit changes. So um, recycling, improving how our IT teams uh, arrange the lights to be switched off, our computers to be powered down, and also um, organizing events such as beach cleanup so that the team can get involved with some broader initiatives. So there are, those are the three ways um, that we're making change and hope very much to do more. Kieran, thanks so much. You know, that fits in really nicely with this year's Earth Day theme. 
hashtag one small change, one small change that becomes part of a regular process. Um, so very insightful and very helpful and really always a delight that you sat down with us. Thank you so much. And we'll talk again soon to hear how things are going at HKIAC with your green ambassador. Wonderful, Rekha. Thank you again. And I really look forward to the next time. Eric, what are your views on the new Green Pledge and more generally, the campaign for greener arbitrations? I think it's a fantastic initiative. We generally think that our work as lawyers is to support the business. We are not the business itself. Nevertheless, the Green Pledge is showing us that we also have a direct role to play and can contribute with the way we do things. One more question, Lee, here. Why did Freshfield sign the Green Pledge? Why was it important that they did it? And what does it mean in practice? So I mean, the principal reason for us signing the pledge is that we are of the view that we all have a role to play in making environmentally sound and conscious choices. And the pledge is about uh, not only saying that and realizing that that's a good principle to practice law by, to live by generally, but to practice law by, but to make sure that we incorporate that in how we think about how we're managing each and every one of our cases. So fundamentally, it's about us doing, if everyone does their part, then greater uh, objectives can be reached. And so for us, it's about us doing our part, one small piece, uh, but making sure that we're doing it. In practice, and we've, we've had a lot of discussions about how we're going to give effect to us having signed the Green Pledge and give effect to what's in there. Uh, and the first thing that I'll say is, is not everything that is in the Green Pledge might work for all of our cases and for all of our clients. But the, the, the key thing is, at the outset of a case, putting some thought to being conscious about the ways that we can manage it in order to minimize the environmental footprint as sensibly as possible, while also making sure we're doing a good job for our clients. And so it's now something that we're going to think about at the outset of matters before every procedural order that, that rules on how a matter will be managed. It's things that we're going to speak about with our clients and have conversations with them about it, pre-dispute when we're doing analysis, you know, when does it make sense to travel, meet witnesses and things like that. So it's going to, uh, the idea is, uh, by signing it is to really ingrain that in our culture for how we think about and approach uh, each one of our cases. That's amazing. Ingrained it in your culture. To those listening in, um, two hashtags here, one small change um, and hashtag make it your culture. Thank you so much, Lee. Uh, it was lovely to sit down with you uh, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much, Rika. We hope you found the first episode of Arbitration Insider interesting and equally important fun. Please consult the materials made available on the podcast page, share this podcast, send us your comments, and most importantly, tune in for the next episode. Thanks so much.